Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. I feel like this one's going slower than The Phantom Menace. <laughs> there is unrest in the Galactic Senate. Several thousand solar systems, that's interesting, have declared their intentions to leave the Republic. This separatist movement, under the leadership of mysterious Count Dooku, has made it difficult for the limited number of Jedi Knights to maintain peace and order in the galaxy. I'm telling you, this one's moving slower, I promise. I'm going to wait for it to scroll up a little bit. Senator Amidala, the former Queen of Naboo, is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of creating an army of the Republic to assist the overwhelmed Jedi. Dot, 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 dot. All right. Hello there. Welcome to the show. Uh, today I have Knox and Abe on the show. Knox and Abe, how's it going? Going great, Hayden. How you doing? Pretty good. Glad to be back on. Uh, today we decided we were going to talk about Attack of the Clones. We're just going to make our way through the prequel trilogy. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the other Star Wars movies eventually, but right now we wanted to talk about the movies that we kind of grew up watching. Um, so Attack of the Clones is the second uh, chronological Star Wars movie. It was it came out in 2002, um, which is uh, 19 years ago, which is such a long time ago. Um, and for me personally, I, I don't... I think Attack of the Clones is my least favorite of the six, um, but I have a lot of good memories associated with it because of playing Battlefront and you play in a lot of the places and like the Clone Wars is super cool. And then it wasn't until much later that the Clone Wars show came out and that sort of fleshed out a lot of the characters from this movie. So uh, what about you guys? Do you guys, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last time, but do you guys remember like when you saw this or... No, I don't remember seeing this one. I don't think I remember seeing any of them, like I've said. Yeah, I remember um, one of the best parts was the commercials before, because that's when we were like watching like Nickelodeon and stuff and Cartoon Network. And so do you guys remember those Go-Gurt? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Go-Gurt sticks were like the lightsabers. from Yeah, oh, yeah, awesome. the yogurt things. And then also in, in the cereal boxes, the prizes they would have, there was a – do you remember the up spoons, Knox? Oh yeah, those were awesome. Uh, what was that? Pops? Is it like corn pops? Or am I making that up? It was like a yellow box. Yeah. Anyway, those were awesome. I mean, you have I, a red one, were, a purple one, whatever. Yeah. What I think it's like General Mills or like any of his cereals had had like once you got to the bottom of the bag, it was a spoon and it would light up either like red, green, or blue. Hey, I don't think General Mills is a person. <laughs> uh, sounds like a guy. I'm pretty sure it's a guy. It used to be Colonel Mills, and now it's General Mills. <laughs> I think that's the cereal brand, I'm isn't sure it? it's a guy. But Hayden, I'm with you. A lot of it was, for me growing up, which one of the reasons I love this actually is because like 10-year-old Knox thought that Padme and Anakin were really romantic. And of course, we can talk about that later about how cheesy <laughs> it is. But one, one of my fondest memories growing up was the relationship that, that blossoms in this movie and for me, Natalie Portman is the top of my celebrity crush list. And I can't say whether it's like, you know, it's kind of the chicken or the egg. I can't tell if I like this movie because, <laughs> and I like Padme because it's Natalie Portman. Or I can't tell if Natalie Portman's my celebrity crush because she's Padme. <laughs> it's one or the other. I'm fine with either one. <laughs> because she's Padme. I'm pretty sure it's because she's Padme. Yeah. And I don't really have a lot of issues with Padme 
that yeah, much. Like, it's more just like her interactions with Anakin that are hilarious. As if she was like, she says like, to be angry is human. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Like, not murdering hundreds of people because <laughs> like, I was angry. I've never murdered uh, hundreds but of yeah, people. Uh, and I also agree with your point about Battlefront maps and everything that helped it introduce this and growing up ha- had some familiarity with yeah. Attack the Clones. Yeah, because like Geonosis, I think, was like the first... It was the first level when you played the story in Battlefront One. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, and then um, and then Lego Star Wars, you would I think didn't, wouldn't you run around Dex's diner? Like that's where you would go select that's the right. levels. Yep, for the first for movies because they they consolidated them into movies one through three and then four through six, and yeah, two was like this or Dexter's diner was like the staging area from which you go play all the prequel levels. Yeah, because in the in the original trilogy game, which was the second Lego Star Wars, it was uh, the Mos Eisley yeah. Cantina. So the movie starts out with um, Padme, handmade in or decoy or whatever, getting blown up, and I still wonder like where did that bomb come from? Was it like on the landing platform? Yeah, that's what I gotta think. Probably you know underneath one of the tiles or something. I mean, definitely went on the um, ship. And the whole then, time, right? yeah, that's what I was. I was like, it's been there the whole time. But that leads to them sort of uh, searching for this assassin who's trying to assassinate. The mm-hmm. person that put that bomb was that um, that shift changer. That was her. The Nemoidian. Yeah, that's what I would think. The changeling. Uh, it it could have been Boba. Or oh, I'm sorry, not Boba. For some reason, I never put that together. <clears throat> he hires. I mean, I guess they never really say, but it makes sense. But I always thought it was interesting that it's like how influential is Padme that like the assassination of this one senator would change so much. I mean, like they say in the title scroll, we're talking about thousands of solar systems. Like, do you know how many planets that would be? Well, I don't want to. We probably shouldn't assume that Padme is the only person this trying to be assassinated i'm sure bail organa had his fair share of you know, run-ins with with bounty hunters but also the one thing that the clone wars do is or that show does is show and portray how influential she is like she's definitely a big leader prominent member of the senate that a lot of people look up to she's very vocal and idealistic and she has a lot of respect i think that stems from her being queen so young and it probably helps that um the chancellor is from Naboo as well. I agree. Yeah, they had to add a lot of um, weight behind her decisions and her. And what's interesting about Coruscant in general is that it's, according to my Star Wars atlas that I was looking at the other day, <laughs> um, it's 70% human. So it's like... Yeah, we, we, <laughs> I'm sorry, we just sound like such nerds. <laughs> oh, we are nerds, eh? That's why we're talking about this. Yeah, people at work are like, what are you doing, we, what are you doing this to... weekend? I'm like, I'm recording a Star Wars podcast. That's <laughs> so nerdy, but I love it. According, according to my Star Wars atlas. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, no, I'm 100%. I was going to say that the population of Coruscant, apparently, is supposed to be 1 trillion. Which, that number, like, I don't think anyone can understand how many people that is yeah there's a lot of those like size scale kind of things in uh star wars that are kind of hard to wrap your head around like in the in this one when, yeah when obi-wan visits camino they say they're two hundred thousand units ready and a million more on the way like that's nothing compared to ten thousand so- like star systems like a million soldiers is nothing you couldn't siege naboo with a million people maybe naboo because there's no army but you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I think if you try to reconcile size and scale and time and parsecs, it's just gonna kind of 
not add up. <laughs> I do think that what you find is that because the world is so big, each most planets are not very populated. Like your average planet might have a couple hundred million inhabitants. Like obviously there are the exceptions to that, like Coruscant and like Geonosis, which Geonosis has like a hundred billion Geonosins. But you know they're like a very strange alien, and they like breed. Like I think they hatch in eggs. Yeah. So, and they're insect. Like think about an insect, like a beehive. Yeah, exactly. So it's like most like planets so might concentrated insects. Yeah, most planets have less people than our Earth, like seven seven billion, seven and a half billion, or whatever. But you do have those planets that are just absolutely enormous. And I think that's something that this uh, movie does really well is like just the world building in and, general. Hayden, to your point and plug for our first episode on Phantom Menace, the population of Naboo at the time of these events, I think, was like 625 million. And they call that 1% of the total planetary. Oh, no, off-world. Never mind. Okay. So, yeah, like if you, talk, if you say 625 million for a whole planet, like that's two Americas for the entire world. Yeah. Which that would make it easier for there to be like secret droid factories and stuff if you had these massive planets and small populations. That's why they can get away with that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, because like Geonosis is basically like the Sahara Desert, just an entire planet. Yeah. Talking about Coruscant? Like each, there's like layers all the way down to the core. Yeah, of, so cool. So like, I mean, you could kind of, I know it's not realistically, but you could kind of see how possibly there could be one trillion or whatever. Yeah, definitely. You got, you got your outer layer of a whole world and then an inner layer of a whole world and then another inner layer of a whole world, based, you know, basically like that. Um, that's one of my favorite things about this movie is that Obi-Wan is constantly like talking bad about politicians the so whole funny. time. He's always like, you can't trust them. They're politicians. Like he can't mm-hmm. trust them because he, he doesn't trust the chancellor right. at all. And I, I'm trying, I, when I watched this this last time, I was trying to think about like, just trying to kind of reconcile this thought that, that there's so many Jedi at this point and you think of them as being really powerful, but and Yoda admits this in the movie. And I think it's really important to catch this because otherwise it just seems weird that so many of them die in geonosis but they had traded or lost sight of their practice of the force and you know being really good lightsaber duelists and fighters and instead traded it for a larger place within you know the galactic political realm and so i think it, i think yeah. part of what obi-wan is saying is like wisdom of they're a politician. But I think pro- part of that is probably backed by the Jedi trying to vie for a more important position. And that kind of shows why they're weak. Yeah. Why the Dark Lord is, you know, of the Sith is able to run the Senate without them knowing. Because they're not focused on the fundamentals yeah. like Qui-Gon was. That's a theme throughout the movie. Yeah, and that sort of leads to the fall of the Jedi in general was that they got arrogant because it had been thousands of years where they had basically had no opposition from the Sith um, because everything the Sith were doing were all behind the scenes. There's a really important lesson there. Basically, don't fraternize with politicians. (laughs) Yeah, but like, don't lose sight of the basics, you know? And that's one of the cool parts about this movie, too, is that I really like the scene where they go into the bar, the nightclub, the death sticks. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite parts, you were talking about like world building and stuff, is that on the back of the TV, on the TVs at the bar. They're playing like robot yeah. football. <laughs> there's robot football. There, there's like horse racing with those things from the Mandalorian. Yeah. That little, oh, uh, that's interesting. 
and then on the other other, other screen there's pod racing you know like nascar like we talked about last yeah that yeah so it really like makes it like, feel like a real place sleazy girls and there's all yeah. these drinks being passed around and there's the spy uh-huh. the spice guy yeah do you think mm-hmm. that you would smoke something that was called a death stick <laughs> spice maybe but not, not, a, not death a death stick. stick it's like you guys got to change your name of your product the death stick it's like that's a little heavy-handed there with like the don't smoke kids. <laughs> all right, well, I'm just going to say that meth doesn't sound all too appealing either. <laughs> Not until you try it. We should start calling cigarettes death sticks. Death and then sticks. See if- yeah, just try to change the name. The uh, I always like the part after they cut off that lady's arms um, and Anakin is just like, Jedi business, go on your way. You know, it's like we just like <laughs> chopped off this person's arm, like just Jedi business, you know, leave us alone. I remember seeing, oh yeah, and you had to think like, oh, to, to your point, Hannah, I noticed in this movie, when Obi-Wan, and we can get to this part, like when Obi-Wan is like jumps out of the window and holds on to that little robot. Yeah. One of the aliens that he's like in the way of their traffic lane, he's like, blah, 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 Jedi, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm sure that everyone else probably had this like really weird negative view on the Jedi. Well, yeah, they were a little like, like oh, self-righteous the off people's arms. Yeah. yeah. And they would, you know, kind of do whatever they wanted. You damn Pope. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing a thing. It was like, uh, roses are red. Jar Jar Binks. Some are like, I hate Jar Jar Binks. Jedi business. Go back to your drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi. I just always like when he says Jedi business, it's like, I would be like, wait, are you kidding me? You just cut off this person's <laughs> arms and you're telling me to just go back to my drink? <laughs> Let's be real, though. I bet so much crap went down because there's so many, like, outlaw things in the world but of it Star makes Wars. Sense like, you probably in, just regularly saw It makes sense in stuff. Moss Eisley in the cantina because that's like a... It's like where you go if you want to get away from the rest of the world. Like, if you're a... a, a criminal but this is like some nightclub in coruscant this is like going down to atlanta and going to a nightclub and then cutting off someone's arm and being like oh don't worry we're just it's fine like don't worry about it yeah it's that wild happens. that happens <laughs> that happens all the time i would yeah, come to buckhead hayden come to buckhead we'll go to buckhead saloon you'll see shootings <laughs> count dooku you want to talk about yeah that? we can talk about count dooku he, they, they were thinking he was the one that tried to assassinate her yeah, I always thought it was funny that she's like, I think Count Dooku is behind this. And I'm like, why do you think that? There's like billions of people in the world. But I think I think, he, I think he was known, though, for being a political idealist. And Abe, I don't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead. No, he defected from the Jedi Order. The right? Jedi Order, yeah. That was years ago. And I don't think that that was caused to think that he was a bad person. Uh, well, okay. that's what Mace Windu says. He's like, yeah, he wouldn't do that. That's not within his character. He used to be a Jedi. Right, right. So I, I don't think that him leaving the order makes people think that well, he's a bad guy now. I think he like disappeared for a while, bought the name of Count somehow. I've been reading a little bit about this. But, well, um, it is interesting because they do refer to him as Tyranus at some point in the movie, which I never caught before. And that's what his name is, Darth. Hmm. He's Darth Tyranus. But um, so after this, they kind of I, I can always bring up that part where Obi Wan jumps out the window. I'm like, how freaking high are you when you jump out of this window? And what if you miss? I guess you're a Jedi. Yeah. Or what if the thing can't support you? Like, what if it can't hold your weight? <laughs> Did you guys ever see that part where, so like, after he jumps out the window, after all the bar scene and all that stuff, they come back to Padme's pal, like suite or her hotel room or whatever, and as they yeah. pan, as they pan toward it, 
you can see this robot replacing the glass. That's funny. Yeah, no. I saw that this time too. <laughs> I've yeah. never seen that. That's pretty. <laughs> totally. That's pretty cool. She's packing to go to Naboo as a refugee, and hate and uh, I hate Christensen. Uh, <laughs> Anakin. Anakin's is. talking to her, and yeah, there's like these two droids patching it up, and they yeah. fly away. <laughs> that is funny, and you do get a bit of like Anakin. They they do start the movie out showing Anakin sort of um, not anti-authority, but his sort of opposition to the Jedi Order like he's constantly pushing against it and I think they do a pretty good job mm-hmm. of like explaining like where he is um, sort of headed yeah they show that you know, obviously the acting is a little bit more to be desired but I'm not a pro on like acting and stuff like that I, I, I couldn't do any better but that might be because we share the same I agree name. early on you get these hints that, that he has like a rebellious streak in him and I think it's understandable that that comes from him being one Having an attachment already, you know, with his mom and definitely his people back on tattoo yeah. that he just knew. Maybe, you know, he didn't stay in touch, but he had attachments. That little Indian yeah. kid. Fixer. And then on top of that, you're the most powerful. So you think you can do all these stuff. You're advanced. You know you're good. And so I think those two combined are like the perfect mix for someone pushing against them. Do you think that he is more powerful like, do you think that even at this point, he is more powerful than your average Jedi? And that's pretty clear. I think that he's far more advanced than anyone in his position. And I think he's probably on par with a lot of the members of the Jedi. Probably not like council members, though. Well, he thinks he is. Yeah. It's just, it's unbridled. Or unbridled. Yeah. Power. Is that the right word? Unbridled? He's not like, he has power, but he doesn't really know how to use it. Yeah, if it was all like tamed, he would probably be the best. I mean, he is the best, I think. Or Qui-Gon. Now, the real question, and this is sort of what the movie boils down to. Do you hate sand? I hate sand. (laughs) It's coarse and rough. It's coarse and rough, and it gets everywhere. (laughs) Oh, that's just one of those things where I I rewatching it like those scenes with Anakin and Padme are just so cringy. They're hilariously cringy, and there's so many memes. I I actually like the part where they're sitting in the grass and they're talking about yeah. politics, and Anakin's yeah. sort of like, you know, it would just be easier if there was one person and everyone just yeah. listened to him. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's like, I mean, you're right. If that person was, if it worked like that, but, and then she's all about like, oh no, democracy or whatever. I saw a meme one time where it's where he like cuts the pear for her and uses the force to give it to her and she's like smiling. Yeah. And it was something like, when you know that he murdered a few hundred sand people, but he's over six foot. So she's just like all into him. Like that's all it took. <laughs> I, and that's how I feel the movie kind of pushes Anakin to be evil, like a little bit too much. It's too quick for me. Because it's like he goes from being, you know, like kind of feisty to like literally murdering a village of sand people. Now, obviously they did capture his mom and like do whatever to her. But still, I mean, he freaking murdered like what? like 70 people yeah you think that the transition is too quick like at the beginning you don't think that's in him and then by the end he's doing that well i feel like they should have added some other things in there to make him seem a little bit more like obviously he's impulsive but i don't think impulsive means killing 70 people yeah 
That, that definitely was a huge step in his transition to the dark. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of that's just due to the fact that it's a movie and they can't like spend yeah. hours and hours like mm-hmm. developing characters, which is why I think the Clone Wars is really good. So Obi-Wan heads off to Kamino um, to find out where this dart came from, which I find that interesting because so was Django's equipment made by Kamino, the Kaminoans? I don't know how you say that, though. I do know that one of their imports is obviously like weapons. I thought he was just Mandalorian. That's what I thought, but but he doesn't he get the information to go to Camino because of the dart that he found. Yeah, cloners. Yeah, that's right. The Dex or whatever his name is yeah. says that. Which I I want to know the backstory. Like, how does Obi Wan yeah, know this guy? Cool. Like, how do they meet? Right. Uh, I for, I knew that I I I think I know <laughs> it, but I, for, I totally forgot. Do you have his action figure, Abe? That'd be awesome. No, that's what I want. You still looking for it? Yeah, well, and then also that um, there's the bartender lady that's a robot. The robot waitress. I think her name's Flo. Yeah, the one with one wheel. You want mm-hmm. a cup of judges? I found her. I, haven't, I, didn't, I, I didn't buy it yet. I'm pretty sure Dex isn't a hot item at Walmart anymore. <laughs> it's funny because some of that, like, Dex is like, or like, Flo is like $4. But then some of them are like, Fifty dollars, like the clones are like fifty dollars. So I'm curious, what other purpose the Kaminoans were cloning people for? If not an army, like how, how else? Like what? What other demand was there for the for cloning the galaxy? Were there other clone armies? This was just the bigger one, because he says this is our finest army. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, to I don't know. I mean, I, I I feel like they could probably make you um, bodyguards or, you know, like a small private estate that needs people to protect it kind of things like that. Like maybe they had only done small scale things mm-hmm. previously. I mean, it's interesting that their species is known right. for cloning. Yeah, that's kind of hard to explain. Away. Again, I'm not <laughs> trying to point out a loophole. I'm trying to kind of think about like. I'm trying to kind of position the like. No, no, I know. We introduced the clones at the end of this movie. So how are they thought of before? Uh, you know, there were were there cloners. Maybe it was like a new technology, and that's why Dex was like one of them cloners. Like they're new, you know, like one of those crypto or currency people. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a big deal the fact that, and that's they don't really get into the whole concept of the clones in general about how, you know, they're basically making yeah, slaves. I have a tough time with that. <laughs> but the Clone Wars deals with it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's true. Is it? It's like they are fighting for a good purpose. But it's like, are they still autonomous, you know? And it's like, I think that's where the Clone Wars sort of fleshes that out more. Because if you were to watch just the movies, it's it's almost as if the clones are not autonomous. Like, they just obey orders. Because they do mention that they follow orders um, very well. Good, so- good soldiers follow orders. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's their line. That's their, like, just famous line. They had the inhibitor chip. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah. a lot of them were not, or they had to... You know, they, they just had to do it. Yeah, yeah. But if you see, if you watch Bad Batch, you'll see, I'm not in no spoilers, but if you watch Bad Batch, you'll see clones with inhibitor chips start to push yeah. back, which I think is why Palpatine moved away from clones. Um, but it is cool, because I remember when we first watched this, how seeing the, the clones, it was like, okay, this is where the stormtroopers come from, you know, and that was kind of a big revelation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I do remember do like remember seeing that? that and being like, okay, so this is, you know, they look like stormtroopers, so they must be stormtroopers in the future. And so it's like, it's interesting that that's where they came from. Now, as a kid, I didn't understand all this stuff mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes about, you know, the politics of like creating the Republic Army and all that. And I remember like our, our parents and grandparents and stuff being, like watching this one and the third one being like, Oh yeah, they're stormtroopers, and I was like, "No, they're not stormtroopers. They're clone troopers." It's, they yeah. eventually, it was like one of those little technical, difficult, like technical things. Yeah, but I, yeah. I was like, "No, but it's also important because they're on a different side. They're good." And guys how they right kind now. of explain the technology shift in Battlefront Two, the story. They talk about how, like, when they became the Empire, they got like quote unquote like more advanced weaponry, which I find funny. Yeah, and and the helmet changed in the clones from two yeah. to three. Yeah, so there was a phase. I don't remember all this. It's been a while since I read about this, but there was there was like a like a first phase, and the clones talk about it in the Bad Batch in the Clone Wars, and that group maturity. took like ten years to go to full uh, maturity, and then there's like a second and third phase, which you, they get newer armor, they look a little bit more like stormtroopers, and I believe like second and third were like maybe five and three years respectively. So the clones kind of get worse because they needed them for war right they had to like advance or accelerate their development but um there are like in, within like the culture of the clones, like a, oh he's like a first generation clone like rex first generation clone like he's known for being that kind of thing but it's also weird to think about like these clones being like three years old <laughs> and they're like 25 year old men. yeah like, it is weird grown, it's odd you know? it's like an odd situation but the the older ones would obviously be more well trained yes a lot more uh Lot, yeah, a lot, lot better trained, a lot more experienced too. So I got this scene up uh, where Obi Wan and Jango uh-huh. Fett are fighting on Kamino, and just wanted to like bring up all the different worlds that are created. It's a, this is a really cool scene, but I'm trying to think of the worlds that are introduced. We get a better sense of Coruscant. Uh huh. Much better. Um, we go back to Tatooine. That's overlap. We go back to Naboo. That's overlap. So Kamino and Geonosis. Geonosis. Are those yeah. the only new ones? Yeah. Okay. Really cool planets, though. Yeah, and it's cool because they're like the opposite side of the coin. So I was reading a little bit about um, Geonosis and how the Geonosians were known for their droid armies or their droid, um, like, their ability to make droids. Um, and okay. that's why the, the standard droids kind of look like Geonosians. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. They I never like thought of long neck with the okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they like have the same kind of vibe as them. They're like spindly creatures, and, and that I never put that together. Yeah, that's hmm, that's like a really small kind of Easter egg kind of thing. It's pretty cool. Um, and so then the apparently the Geonosians sort of um had some contact with the Republic and they got some more technology and then the Republic sort of abandoned them because they're super far out. They're in the outer rim. They're really, they're actually adjacent to Tatooine. Probably why it's like a desert planet as well. Um, And so that sort of created some bitterness among the Geonosians um, because the Republic kind of left them. And that's why they were sort of uh, such a big proponent of the separatists. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I kind of want to use that as a segue to talk about the the politics in this movie because it's really interesting. And on Geonosis, the scene where Count Dooku's at the table, you uh-huh. know, the banking clan, the Techno Union, Trade Federation, I'm trying Poggle to think the lesser. Another, I'm trying to think. There's like a group that that I'm not that's present that I'm not. Uh, 
And it's funny because all of those guys show up in the Clone Wars, which is I think is yeah, pretty cool. They're critical. Yeah, it's really, really cool. But uh, it, it's important to bring that up because it shows like the weight behind the Separatist movement. It wasn't just a group of people, or it wasn't just like these individual systems saying like, uh, yeah, we don't really like, like, we don't like these taxes or whatever. Like they did this with good cause, and this is something that's fleshed out in the Clone Wars, like with the planet Raxus, which I think is the Separatist capital. Like they thought that they were on the right side, and they pro- like when you really think about it, they kind of are. Because Palpatine's in power, you know, and the Republic is uh, neglecting certain systems like Geonosis, giving people cause to not want to be part of the, the Senate. A lot, a lot of people, like, view it as, like, it doesn't work, like anything says. Like, it's a bad system. Yeah. But that's uh, why so, Palpatine does that. Why he does what? That, I mean, he's setting it up so that there is a war. Yes, it's absolutely beautiful, but it's really interesting to think about those who weren't in on, um, those, like, Duke, who obviously knows, well, not, like, not, not completely, but he kind of knows, but the, your average separatist system thinks that they're completely in the right, and they kind of are, because the Republic is becoming more totalitarian. No, I agree. That's why I was watching it last time, and I was like, man, I feel like I'm kind of on the separatist side with this thing. I, like, really kind of am as well, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think at some point they mentioned how bloated the government is and how, I mean, imagine if you wanted, we can't get anything done in this country. Nothing happens because our politicians are, they don't care about the country. They only care about themselves. So imagine if you have, like, thousands of star systems and thousands and thousands of senators. Nothing would ever get done. We see Jar Jar Binks speak on the Senate floor, and we see a few more things happen in the Senate. Very interesting. And I'm thinking, like, where, if you're an important system, like, where would your little pod thing be? Yeah. I think, like, the middle range would be. But, like, how could you pod? Like, how is that an effective system? There's thousands. And then later, uh, Count Duke says, like, if you guys join us, we'll have 10,000 more systems. I'm like, oh my gosh, how many <laughs> systems are there? Like, yeah, it's hundreds like too of big thousands for us of to senators. understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to the scale. Like, if you try to reconcile it, it's not going to work. But, um, yeah, it's really interesting that there's there's not just like, oh, this whole planet's turning to the dark side. Like, there are major no, yeah. issues in the Republic that give them good cause to want to move away from that system. In some planets, like Mandalore, I think, I mean, obviously Mandalore is like a very war-driven planet, but they, I think they just want to be able to do their own thing, but then I think they're kind of viewed as sort of like terrorists to some extent, like, like zealot terrorists. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Did you guys see in the, I think it's in the second one, um, when they're doing the, they they do the Senate vote in that one, or is that three? There's there's a Senate, there's a vote in all three movies, but in this movie, the vote that takes place uh, is something actually that Palpatine kind of brilliantly gets Jar Jar Binks to do, which is enhance or uh, provide him More provide power. the Chancellor emergency powers because, because of the they're army. on the brink of war. Yeah. yeah, and you can see them like they're in the room and Jar Jar Binks is there because Padme is in hiding, and they say something like, if, "But someone says like we should do this for the the." For the Chancellor, and Chancellor Palpatine says something along the lines, and you can kind of tell in his tone that he is it, like getting at something. Someone's like, "Well, who who would 
introduce such like radical legislation and Palpatine goes like if only Padme were here and you see or if, if only Senator Amidala was here and you see Jar Jar Binks kind of thinking to himself like oh well then I should do it and you can it's just an example of Palpatine influencing people which I'm sure he was incredible at to get to where he was and to get to where he's going to be uh, but th- that's the vote that takes place in this movie but it's a pretty critical one because we go from like the chance of being kind of toothless in the first episode and while he's as a person he gets better with palpatine more powerful in this movie like his actual powers increase did so did you see in that in that scene when they vote that there is a species in one of the pods that um looks like et oh really i feel like i've heard that before you can see it that was a that was george lucas it was like an ode to um steven spielberg Spielberg. <laughs> That's great. I bet they're really funny. good friends and all. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't mean to ramble on about the Senate. I, just, I think it's like really, really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, no, it is super interesting. That's what I like about one and two is all the politics because you don't see any of that in that, you know, four, five, six. Well, it right. is interesting. I just watched uh, New Hope like the other day mm. and oh, cool. there's a part where they're all sitting around the table um, on the Death Star and um, they basically talk about how the yeah. empire, how the emperor has gotten rid of the senate. Like he has basically said, "I am fully in control." And one of the generals or whatever is like, or admirals is like, "But will all the other star systems listen to us now? Because if we disband the republic, and they're like, no, because they fear us so much, they won't." And I, I never mm. caught that before, but I thought that was pretty that that he was building the world, you know, even from the first movie, that he was building up like the republic and all that stuff that goes on in the background. And it, that's really cool. But isn't it amazing that he wrote in, in The New Hope, he goes, uh, Obi-Wan says, I served I served with your father in the Clone Wars. Like, he just, like, he, he like, made something up, and he's like, that's for future me to worry about. <laughs> you know what I mean? And how, yeah, and how I love how casually Obi-Wan is just like, yeah, I used to be at Jedi Knight. I'd be like, what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? And he's like, well, ah, I used to be. I don't think. I don't, I think, don't he, think a lot of people knew about no, the Jedi. I know. I, know, I think it was yeah. kind of taboo. Yeah. yeah no, because they were all killed. They they were hunted and killed in the mm-hmm. and the Republic set them up as the villains. And we'll get to that when yeah. we talk about the third one. Oh uh, yeah, we'll talk about Order sixty seven. That's really interesting. Sixty seven or sixty six. Sixty seven. I don't know anything about that. Okay, let's talk about I, our I favorite. Won't, parts. I, I won't spoil that now. <laughs> Favorite, Favorite parts. parts of this movie. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Someone else go. I'm trying to think. Okay, I got mine. Obi-Wan diving headfirst through that window to grab that droid. I don't know what so it is, cool. but he's just Obi-Wan's the man. Yeah, that's a great, great scene. Favorite we part talked of about the entire crazy. movie. Um the introduction of the clones. So cool. That is pretty they cool. They show yeah. up in the in the gunships. They're so cool. Yeah, in uh on Geonosis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Kamino. Yeah. Ooh, all right. Kamino's pretty cool. Obi-Wan versus Jango Fett. And those tall alien horse people. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, like I, I enjoy this movie. I know that there's a lot of like hate towards this movie, but you know, I know we have differing opinions, but I think that this is better than anything that came out in the sequels. Hundred percent. I think Attack of the Clones is better than all of the the new ones. Maybe not Rogue One. Oh but yeah. But definitely better than Solo and then the three other ones. 
mainly because the story is cohesive and like while the acting might not be great and there might be too much CGI and all this stuff the story is still in line with what George Lucas had planned where it's clear in the future ones that they had no idea what they were doing and they were just making stuff up as they went along completely agree yeah there, there's a consistent director throughout the movies. Which yeah, helps. and it's like that it's was a compelling sort of the, story. Yeah, that's sort of the problem with these movies that George Lucas took over too much control, I think. Um, but he still had this ultimate objective, and I think it's pretty clear now, looking at the newer movies and how like disjointed and terrible they are. I, I love the first three. I mean, and then my, I mean, my order is three, and then Rogue One. Those are my top two. So, Rogue One, it. yeah. <laughs> why do we why do we like the ones where everyone dies and the bad guys win? <laughs> <laughs> well, Empire, you know, Empire's like the the best one, you know, like critically acclaimed one. Debatably. Yeah, I mean, as a movie goes, yeah, it's pretty yeah. accomplished, yeah, I guess you'd say. But I think that this was a good episode. I think we talked about, we covered a lot of stuff. Next time, we're eventually going to cover um, Revenge of the Sith, which is one of my favorite ones. I think just because growing up watching it, it was pretty awesome. Oh, wait, I take that. I take yeah. it back. My favorite part. I mean, I love Camino, all of it. The white, beautiful ar- architecture and stuff. One thing we missed was the... Um, Space chase with Obi Wan and Django. Oh yeah! And that, oh yeah! Seismic charges. <laughs> that seismic charge. Oh. That sound. Yeah, it's pretty dope. <laughs> it's, the most, it's the best sound I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you should make yeah. that your ringtone. <laughs> A text tone. Yeah. That would be awesome. That's pretty funny. Well, Hayden, hopefully there's less editing for you to do this time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to say? I'm just trying to think. I mean, all the you see all those Jedi's. That's a cool scene because you, before you didn't think there were that many Jedi's. Yeah, that is cool. Um, I think it's like annoying how many of them die. Like, yeah, I feel like they had a, they should have had a better plan. Yeah. yeah, I also don't know why they waited for the droids to show up to jump out. But uh, you know, not pointing out loopholes or uh, plot holes. But it does show you how like um, complacent they've gotten. That's true. Yeah, maybe they do think that they're powerful enough. Apparently, they were supposed to have this scene where the Jedi broke into a droid control ship and were like trying to shut it down, but then they cut it out of the movie. Mm. Deleted scenes. Yeah, but I watched it and it was absolutely garbage because they hadn't done any of like the CGI, so it was just people running around (laughs) spinning with lightsabers, but they weren't fighting anything. (laughs) That's probably that's probably (laughs) how we looked like. 15 years ago. I still look like that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, just, just me and Knox in the backyard just running around, spinning around. <laughs> spinning around with lightsabers. No, no totally. I force pushed you. No, I dodged it. You can't dodge a force push. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Wait, wait, I'm sure we have a bunch more in the future to do. Wait, we forgot one crucial thing, which I think was pretty cool. It was actually <laughs> the, um, the public execution of Padme, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. Oh, it is so cool. Yeah. What, what is their just... reasoning behind this public execution? Uh, I, don't know. I don't know if they need much. It's like James Bond. Like, you know, when the guy like, like spends forever trying to kill James Bond, he like, and then he just, you know, it's yeah. just, he escapes. It's just fun. It's <laughs> bolt in his head. Yeah. But the, uh, I think the reason Hayden is trespassing, like that's grounds at least. <laughs> that's all, what all I do when trespass. people trespass. I put them in an arena with giant animals to eat them. <laughs> 
and I invite my friends over to watch. Those, anim- those yeah. animals though, are pretty cool. Very yeah, and it's cool because cool you get to fight those like the tall thing with the little uh, it's like a crab kind of. You get to fight those in Battlefront too. Yeah, because they're from Felucia. Yeah, those are like imported animals. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. And- yeah, I was thinking about that. Can you imagine how hard it'd be to import all those <laughs> animals into Geonosis? There's the prey mantis, the tiger, and the and then the bull, the, bull, the rhino, like a rhino, rhino bull. I wonder if there's action figures for that. I'll get a look at that. I'm sure there are. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show, guys. All right, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. A lot of fun. Um, In the future, we're planning to do Revenge of the Sith, and then after that, we're going to have a lively debate about how the Hobbit movies, or if the Hobbit movies are good or bad. Off to gear up for those. If you have any questions or tips, email me at maximumpodcast at gmail.com. If you listen to podcasts using iTunes, consider leaving me a review. Thanks for listening.